0: ora, you're listening to Aotearoa in Focus, called Dan Armstrong Tokawingoa. Last week I had some free time and naturally did what all people do in that situation. I booked tickets to the South Island's west coast. I haven't been there in years, so bugger it why not. But there was a catch, and it was a biggie. I've still got limited mobility and it's pretty hard for movement in general not to be uncomfortable. But it gave me a question, if you have mobility challenges can you still experience the west coast? Are there obstacles that most people wouldn't think of? So to find out I packed my bag, grabbed my crutches, and headed south. Let's crack into it. This is Aotearo in focus, and this is Hobbling to Greymouth. Like most people getting to the South Island, it started with Air New Zealand. When you book flights, you can register that you need additional support, and lately all my flights have meant a long wheelchair ride through airports, as you don't realise until walking is hard, that airports are big, escalators can be difficult, managing luggage, it's, it's just a whole thing. Thankfully, every time I rocked up to the airport, the ground crew went out of their way to lend a hand. So, awesome start, and that got me to the just, oh blimingly blimmingly freezing Christchurch. Next step, the Transalpine. For nearly 40 years it's been linking the east and west coasts, and taking people across some of the most picturesque views you can ever witness. The many farms of the long Canterbury Plains giving way to the sharpness and intensity of the Southern Alps, which after Roteta transitioned towards the forests and communities of the west coast, Oh, it's gorgeous. But again, was it accessible? Yes, mostly. Without being asked, crew checked in on me and offered the use of the hoist to get into the carriage. I didn't need it, though admittedly it did look like a pretty cool ride. Though the issues I did encounter was that it's tight. Our railways are narrow by global standards, so making your way through a packed carriage like mine was, that may be hard. The other thing I found difficult too was the time it took. Sitting for the best part of five hours is pretty hard for me, so factor that into your plans too. Again, like Air New Zealand, you can flag any mobility issues with KiwiRail and have a corridor about your options. All that said, it's still an awesome way to cross Te Panamu. Oh, also they have an audio tour. Uh, so it means if you have a sight impairment, you wouldn't miss out on all the fun. Though alternatively, I didn't see a written version if you have hearing loss. Maybe ask the crew if they have a copy on hand. By now we're finally at Greymouth, the whole point of this episode. Quick history lesson, the area of Marfeda or Greymouth, has been occupied for about a thousand years. It was initially attractive to the Crown for its coal and when significant tracts were sold to the government, Māori kept some key areas for themselves, which is why the Mawera Incorporation owns most of downtown Greymouth. Commodity booms and busts have shaped the coast. Coal, gold, native timber, all leading to years of peaks and troughs. The modern goal is for fisheries and tourism to provide a sustainable alternative to break that cycle, so as Glenn, the owner of the Duke Hostel, told me, COVID upset things. Um, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. People everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Greymouth was buzzing too. Yeah. It
1: was very you know, campers everywhere. Yeah. So it was a very um, very busy little town. Um, at that yeah, at that time. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Yep. And what happened in early twenty twenty? Did it just dry up overnight, or yeah, yeah well, when it all kicked off, everything just shut down mm. because because the lockdown
1: and um, and um, yeah, with uh, no tourists, ninety five percent of our and that's probably pretty accurate too. About ninety five percent of our our tourists was from overseas, mainly Europe. Mm. So um, yeah, so when you take ninety five percent of your customers away, it's you have to. You have to change. Yeah. <laughs> and and how did you change? Uh, long-termers. We got some long-termers. Yeah. Good long-termers. Um, so that worked well for us. Um, what about for everyone else in town? Because you're not the only tourist operator. How did everyone else fare? Seems like the motels have done a lot better. Yeah. Um, because uh, backpackers um, are attracted to the European market. Yeah. and they love backpacking and of course you take them away it, it leaves a little bit of a hole. Mm-hmm. Kiwi's um, uh, majority of them if, if they're on a budget they'll go to the cheapest motel. They don't even look at backpackers. so, so taking that away um, yeah the, the motels did all right still because they still got the Kiwi clients on oh, they yeah. always did and uh, we we do we have dried up.
0: Yeah, okay yeah and are you optimistic about the future of the tourism sector here definitely yeah. definitely
1: yep i think they'll come back people will not stop traveling it's a big wide world out there and i think they'll be they'll be back whether they come back in the big numbers that they were we'll just have to wait and see but um uh, to tell you the truth they don't even need to uh come back in the big numbers that they were because We were overflowing, flowing, you know, before COVID, it was fantastic.
0: Now, normally you'd rent a car, do some hikes, check out the wild west coast. But I couldn't really do that. And maybe it's because I'm a rookie, but finding options weren't that easy either, if they existed at all. Let's take Making Tracks, who have created an inclusive directory of businesses who can put up their hands and say they can provide for people with different needs. Awesome, love it. And let's check out the west coast. Okay, Milford Sound has a listing, yes. Franz Joseph, yes. Even Murchison has a listing for accessible rafting. Cool. Mafede, grey Greymouth, nothing. Info seemed to be across multiple sources, though varied in quality and depth. And it's a shame, as it was only after I had left that I'd found that there was a bushwalk I, I would have been able to do just up the road. But that again was on another website. I really admire the people that are putting this information out there, but we clearly have some way to go for the tourism sector. So I had to fill that gap, and with confidence and perhaps naivety, decided that arts and culture would suffice. Can you tell us where we're sitting and chatting right now?
2: You've you joined me, Dan, inside Gloria of Greymouth.
0: That's Sam, the owner of Gloria of Greymouth, a queer art space in the suburb of Blaketown. And what
2: is Gloria of Greymouth? Well, Gloria used to be the um, St Andrew's Anglican Church in Blaketown, a suburb of Greymouth. Um, and now uh, she is a big sort of, she's still a house of worship, but sort of, um, here we worship things like camp and kitsch and all things queer um, and just embrace play and silliness. And, um, you know, if it's pink, all the better.
0: And we're surrounded by artworks and a beautiful, lit and up glorious sign, and artworks on the ceiling. Um, and it's blooming gorgeous.
2: I'd be interested to know how you feel when you're in this space. Um, I, I just feel quite joyous, and it's just a wonderful place to wake <laughs> up in the morning. Because I do... <laughs> dog sneezing over there. Um, I, I do live in Gloria. I've just set up a little um, sort of... I'm kind of squatting in the corner, basically. Um, and it's a pretty fabulous place to wake up in the morning and just have all this pink light all around you, and it, um, yeah, makes me sort of very excited to spend an- yet another day with her. From Gloria of Greymouth to the Left Bank Art Gallery, and even
0: Garth Wilson and the work he and others are doing with Panamo, there are some really amazing spaces to check out and, and enjoy the art of the coast. Thanks to the tourism push, there are panels highlighting the big and little parts of the local story, And I was able to make a day of just hobbling around, reading about the spot on the coast. Honestly, it was great. But one of the reasons why I had to hobble was for a lack of public transport. There are shuttles and bus services around the region, but no metro or link type service around the town, which made things a lot harder. The other thing I noticed was older buildings in particular lacking elevators or ramps. And the further you got from the CBD, the footpaths could get uneven though I guess flooding will do that. And some areas seem to lack tactile dots, those yellow bumpy strips at crossings. What did stand out though was the people. As sure as the weather will be rough, the people of Greymouth were a delight. Helpful though not in a patronising way, and good for a yarn. Honestly, coasters can be frank, but are a great bunch who just do their own thing. I dig it. If you have accessibility challenges, Can you enjoy a weekend on the west coast? Yeah, definitely. Are there parts lacking? Also, definitely. Perhaps Marfetta is the jumping off point, and you head on to Franz Joseph for a helicopter ride, or enjoy nature on Peter's Pool Walk. There is so much amazing food, people, sights and memories, and I know I'll be returning. Now, my experience to these types of challenges has been limited. So for a greater understanding, I had a all with Gary Farrow. Now, Gary is the host of WTSY Cuttle on Free FM. It took me through his journey and what he's learned. Now, uh,
3: just for a bit of background to my disability, uh, I actually uh, gained it, as it were, you know, um, took it on, in 2007, when I had a car crash with a drunk driver. Uh, so, the drunk driver was in the other vehicle um, up on Cal Copper Copper in Helensville, and the drunk driver just crossed the centre line and um, we collided head on. Um, so, that left me with a lot of uh, musculoskeletal injuries, uh, but most significantly, a brain injury, which now gives me right hemiparesis which is um, pretty much like when you see somebody who's had a stroke and one side of their body is weaker and less able to be controlled uh, than the other side, Uh, can be less precisely controlled. So um, that was obviously a long time ago, 2007. So I have built up a lot more ability since then.
0: When you're traveling around New Zealand, um, how have you seen the sector change? Um, is, it, is there a different mindset by the likes of, you know, activity operators or accommodation?
3: I think in regards to the uh, activity operators or the staff at accommodation, there has been a absolutely insurmountable change as to how much um, respect and thought they give to the accessibility of their services. People will go out of their way to help. Um, a lot of the time for me, uh, I won't need help, but they'll offer me help and uh, without even asking if I need help, uh, they will just notice some, um, you know, you know, do you want a hand with that? Um, and they'll Yeah, go above and beyond to to achieve that. Um, I think the infrastructure around the country still has a long way to go uh, um, in terms of um, uh, buses, trains, and their respective uh, terminals and bus stops and train stations. Um, All of them are very, very varied in their accessibility. And also accommodation is varied. Even uh, accommodation, which has been built recently, Um, will have, you know, sort of two or three accessible rooms, like with an accessible shower, uh, for example. Um, A wet room, as they call them, where, um, you know, you can just go straight from the toilet to the sink to the shower, all on one floor, on one flat surface. Um, I mean, I would think that should start to become something which is available everywhere in all rooms. Uh, because uh, over 30% of uh, New Zealanders uh, will uh, be regarded as a person with a disability at some point in their lives. So it makes sense that all of that, uh, all of those services should be there. But um, hopefully over the years, uh, we'll see it gradually start to increase that uh, accessibility is planned into uh, infrastructure. And it's even, for example, when we... Look at the case of uh, Vancouver in Canada. They had a mayor um, in the 2000s, the early 2000s, I think, who was a wheelchair user himself. And now the city is this beautiful, beautiful, um, uh, massive network of ramps and um, and and other accessible uh, infrastructure. Um, it looks really really quite stylish and futuristic actually and I think that's what we should have um, uh, all around the world. Um, New Zealand has a way to go but um, the the sociology of the uh, people who work in the tourism sector sector, I think is uh, absolutely amazing.
0: Gary you're a foamer and I love you for it Uh, what are you thinking about when you're taking a train or, or wanting to? So I will be judging
3: getting into the carriage, the uh, distance of the gap. You have the classic mind the gap situation where sometimes it may be centimetres wide, but in other situations, it may be literally half a metre that you've got to step over to get into the carriage. Um, Also, carriages will often, uh, as you step uh, onto them, you will have a couple of steps to walk up um, into the train carriage. Um, So that is definitely um, a bit of a a concern for me when I noticed that on modern trains, uh, commuter trains and long distance trains, uh, in terms of accessibility. And if someone were in a wheelchair in that situation, often they would need, you know, maybe a a crew of people to lift up their wheelchair so that they could actually make it into the door. And even then, for a larger wheelchair, the doors might not be wide enough. Um, I'm always paying attention to the uh, the width of the aisles in trains and uh, the seating arrangements, um, which are often quite tight. Uh, sometimes they're more roomy, but um, and uh, most carriages will have um, a uh, a guards van that can store um, store people's wheelchairs and equipment. Um, if they want to just remain seated in the carriage. Yep. That said, it is hard to remain seated for the duration of a long distance train trip, uh, like the Transalpine, for example. Um, and to get the full experience um, on the likes of the Transalpine, you, you want to be, be able to move around, you want to be able to go and get a bite to eat, you want to... Uh, have a different view, maybe go to the open viewing cars. Uh, but for for example, for a person in a wheelchair, that would be um, uh, almost impossible. Pretty much, I mean, even even to pass between the carriages um, yeah. would be would be very difficult.
0: Is there a train service or a excursion type? in um, Aotearoa that you would recommend them? I think the, um, the Northern Explorer, uh, which is going to
3: start running again in September, is a particularly good service that runs between Auckland and Wellington, and uh, in the other direction as well. Um, they have facilities that enable uh, wheelchairs to be hoisted onto uh, the train and they also have uh, food services which are, can be brought to your seat, so you don't have to be um, up and down or negotiating the carriages to get your food. Um, also uh Tahuia, which runs between Hamilton and Auckland um, as a commuter train, um, that has been uh, very well received by the disability community. Um, the accessibility of it you can be you can be hoisted into the carriage um, and there are whole areas um, near to the buffet counter um, where people in wheelchairs can um, uh, dock um, their uh, mobility devices and be able to hang out and and also uh, charge up if they need to as well there are power sockets and things like that um, I guess um, yeah, those are, those are a couple of really good examples. There are gradual improvements being made as well uh, for the likes of the Capital Connection, which runs, runs between Wellington and Palmerston North. Uh, their carriages are, um, are getting very old now, so they're um, starting to uh, refurbish them and surely that will allow for um, greater accessibility by people of all different uh, requirements and of course we're not talking just in this situation um, people in wheelchairs we're talking with people with mobility issues as well um, and uh, and even sensory issues sometimes it's good just to be able to pop headphones on and listen to a GPS audio guide um, rather than to have to hear the cacophony of uh, everybody who may be speaking in a busy carriage, uh, which um, I I find difficult myself, um, particularly after five or so hours on the train, and when you've got another five
0: hours to go. (laughs) And when you're uh, scoping out a place to visit, um, are there any particular resources or or sites you go to 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 check out, um, you know, what their accessibility is? Um, I
3: am not really knowledgeable of so many uh, services like that which I can refer to, uh, particularly because of my specific type of disability. Uh, Often you will need, uh, if a person wants to know about the um, accessibility of a situation, they might have to talk to a travel agent or they might have to talk uh, the like of uh, CCS Disability Action themselves and have an extended conversation about their specific needs and uh, uh, their um, potential to be around. Making tracks is another one, of course, which can help people um, uh, negotiate their way around Aotearoa New Zealand. Uh, But yeah, I sort of, I spend hours and hours and hours and hours planning whenever I'm going to take a trip. I plan where I'm going to stay. I plan, am I going to be able to get public transport or an Uber from this point to this point? Or will I even be able to walk from this point to this point? I go right down to the point of looking at how close eateries are to um, where uh, where I'm staying, because I can't cook. Uh unashamedly, but at the same time, it's a bit of a pain. And uh, where's the next place you're scoping out, Mr. Farrow? The next place I'm scoping out, I'll just about need to look at my calendar, because I'm doing quite a bit of travelling over the next uh, wee while. So I will be going to um, uh, Midnight Oil, their concert, in uh, Christchurch. So I have booked my accommodation there, made sure it's a ground floor room, um, and uh, I believe it's accessible as well. Um, I've made sure that I'm able to uh, get a nice cheap uh, Uber from the concert to the accommodation. And also I can see that very nearby there are um, supermarkets and food facilities that I can get stuff from. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm going to innumerable places this year, um, which I all, you know, in all of those cases, I will be looking at their um, accessibility and very much taking note of it for future trips that I do.
0: Thank you so much to Gary, Sam and Glenn. I hope this snapshot of my experience was interesting and perhaps even encouraged you towards the West Coast. Or maybe if you have a business or service, Maybe there are some questions you want to ask yourself. Also, there are some cool resources online, so I'll pop them up in the bio. Either way, I'm going to end on Glenn, who is honestly an absolute gem. Seriously, consider staying at the Duke. I asked him the toughest question you could ask anyone on the coast. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Haere If I want a pint of beer and a good feed... And I have, to, I have one night in Greymouth. Yep. Where am I going to go? What's that one place you would recommend?
1: Well, I have to say Montes. You've yeah. got, to, got to keep it local. It's our local beer. So, um, not Nong, Auckland, brew it now, which is a bit of a dirty thing on the coast at the moment. But definitely it's a, the experience of the Montes. um, uh, definitely for the tourists. Um, this is where it's born, bred, and, um, yeah, that's where I that's where I send my customers to, mainly mainly Montes.